Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, an outreach of Greater Works Christian Church here in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Robert Enos. If you like what you hear, visit us at gwcclancaster.org. That's gwcclancaster.org. Find the Table Flippers link, click on it, and you'll get to our merchandise. Now, get ready for a huge dose of truth and a huge dose of common sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your host, podcast, wait, how shall I say this? Podcaster extraordinaire. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Anyways, just having some fun with it, ladies and gentlemen. I want to talk to you about something that actually is something that's really important to me. And I'm hoping that I can turn this into kind of a series about talking about uh, relationships between uh, men and women, especially husbands and wives. And because in our generation, in our culture today, it, marriages, divorces at all at all time high. So marriages are under attack. And why are they under attack? There's many, many reasons for this. But one of the reasons is men don't know how to be men. So they don't know how to be husbands. They don't know how to be fathers. Okay. They know how to be fathers in the sense of making a baby. They don't know how to be dads, I should say. And in many cases, women, uh, I'm sorry, ladies, many of you don't know what it is to be a real true lady, what it is to be truly feminine. So you don't know how to truly be a wife and a mother. Now, again, maybe you know how to be a mother uh, about, you know, in the sense of bringing a baby into the world, but often that's about where it stops. And and so the the women around us often don't know how to really be a good mother, how to raise children correctly. And I'm not picking on you ladies only. I see, I'm, I'm old school in this sense. I get right back to the Bible. It is the men, it is the fathers, it is the husbands, the heads that are the heads of the household, they set the agenda for the home. They're the leaders of the home. They're the head of the home. And, you know, a lot of ladies have a problem with this and we really want to get angry because of, well, you know, the feminist movement. But that just really goes to make my point. People don't understand who they are. They don't understand their roles. They don't understand what their God-given roles are. They don't know uh, what they're supposed to do in those God-given roles. So then when somebody like me comes along and says, hey, men are the head of the household. Hey, you can't say that. What do you think you're doing? You know, women's rights. Yeah. And, and you get this real big uproar often. And so, you know, the reality of it is God created us and he created us to be, uh, to function in a certain way. In, in a home, in a marriage, with our children, with our spouses. He, 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 he caused, he... I'm trying to spit it out, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm trying to be careful with my words. I don't want to offend anybody. I know I'm going to offend a lot of people if I really get into this and say, turn this into a series and I just get down to the nitty gritty. If I do that, it's going to offend a lot of people. Uh, and a lot of, you know, I, I was bouncing this off of some friends and family members just recently thinking about doing a series on relationship between men and women, you know, especially marriages and stuff. And they said, oh, you should do it. And I said, well, I'm really concerned because I, I'm going to offend a lot of people, you know. And they says, since when are you worried about offending people? Do it. It needs to be done. Just do it. And they were like, since when do you, you know, you, you don't worry about offending people. And typically, normally I don't. But the reason I am concerned this time, or at least with this subject, is because 
many of the people, uh, how can I put this? Uh, the, some of the people that are closest to me will be offended. You know, it's one thing to get on here, tell the truth on a podcast, and have somebody in another state or another country upset at me. They give me a nasty email. I read it. I laugh. And it's over. It's a whole nother thing that the people that I do life with are mad at me, you know. And and I know, again, it still needs to be said. It still needs to be done. But I, I'm not in the business of just offending people for the sake of offending people. It may seem that way. That's what the truth often does. So I'm going to do my best to do talk about some of these issues in as, as non-offensive way and manner that I possibly can. Um... And, and the reality of it is, I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm not so concerned about other people. I just don't want them beating me up. I don't know. Anyways, I want to start with this. Um, here's an article that I came across. And it was actually written January, or published, I should say, January 9th, 2011. So this has been out there for a little while. And uh, I, I, I just found it. I, I read it. It's called 20 Characteristics of a Real Man. So, so man, I'm going to start here with you for a reason. This is... Now again, I'm in the ministry. I'm I'm a a Christian. I'm in the ministry. I'm a church leader, and this is not necessarily from a church perspective. However, the principles that are in here, when I read, are very very uh, biblically sound for the most part. And I was refreshed when I read it to find that it was from a. I don't know who this writer is, so I don't know this person. I don't. I've never been to this website um, that I know of, uh, and so as far as I, I'm concerned, as far as I know, this is a non-Christian from a non-Christian point of view. Now, if if this writer is a Christian, I, I apologize about that, but it's not a. My point is, it's not a Christian website. You know, when you open it up, there isn't crosses and fishes and 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 pictures of Jesus everywhere. Uh, uh, so when I read this, it was somewhat refreshing because what it says, even 2011, that there are people out there, there are men out there that are starting to see or they have they have uh, realized that there's this gap, this this vacuum, if you will, in this thing called masculinity, that there might be a lot of males out there, but there's not a lot of men out there. So when you got people in the church and outside of the church starting to say basically the same thing. Men need to, to man up. Males, I should say, first need to become men and then man up and start doing what real men do. It's refreshing because what it says is, all right, there's hope for this world. There's hope for this nation. There's hope for us all because the ones that, that God himself created to take the bull by the horns for the most part, ladies, it's not that you're left out. It's not that you can't do great things. Of course you can't. We've seen a lot of women in our history do phenomenal and fantastic things. But what I've learned is when men are doing what they're supposed to be doing and taking their rightful place, it creates an atmosphere for women to do even greater things than they otherwise would be able to do. And the reason that is, is because they don't, they can stay in their lane and operate in that lane superbly. They don't have to take care of all the issues in their lane and in the lane that their men, husbands, fathers, or whatever are supposed to be taken care of as well. So in my household, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a man, that frees my wife to be to do what she needs to do as a woman. It gives her more energy, more time, more availability, more resources to do the things that she needs to do to become everything God created her to become. And 
for those of you who understand the Word of God, the Bible, you can read about what we, we, we just come to know is the Proverbs 31 woman. And in the book of Proverbs in the Bible, at chapter 31, it talks about this virtuous wife or this virtuous woman. And she does, when you read it, she does so many spectacular things. She's buying uh, her own land. She's buying fields. She's she's making and selling garments of clothing. She's, she's an entrepreneur. She takes uh, good care of her family, her husband, her children, so much so that their children praise her and so much so that their husband praises her at the gates. Now, if you don't understand what that means at the gates, that was the prominent men of the city would at various times come and be seated at the gates of the city. And that's where all the major discussions were made. That was like going down to city hall, you know, and if you needed to see a judge, if you needed to see, you know, talk about building a home, whatever it was, if you needed justice, or if you just needed wisdom, you go to the city gates where the elders of the city, the prominent men would go. You see, so so the husband in that Proverbs 31 story or passage, I should say, is was somebody who worked very hard to be a prominent, to become a prominent member of that community that they allowed him at the city gates as one of their uh, if you will, their judges, their wise men. And so he did what he needed to do as a man, as a husband, as a father. And it gave his wife the freedom and the resources she needed to do to, to become a great woman, a great wife, a great mother. You see, but if he was lazy, she would not only have to do her job, but part of his job, which would stifle her and keep her beat down. See, that's why, ladies and gentlemen, please, we need to search out these proper biblical, biblical, God-given roles for men, women, husbands, wives, and, and we need to start owning them because as we do that, men, as husbands, our wives will be extraordinary. They'll do far more than we've ever been able to see or understand that they have done or could do, and vice versa. When ladies, when you're doing exactly what God has created you to do, it gives your husband the strength, the ability, the resources, the emotional resources needed to do even more than what he ever could do otherwise. See, a lot of men um, will, they will take upon them, they, uh, how can I put this? A lot of men are fed. We get our, uh, a great deal of our fuel, our motivation from our wives. First from our mothers as we're growing up, but then as our wives after we're married. So if, if ladies, and I, I don't know why I'm going down this little rabbit hole, but I'm uh, rabbit trail, but I'm doing it. Ladies, if you learn how to build up your man, speak well of him, encourage him, brag about him, tell him how wonderful he is, how awesome he is, you, he will come alive and do the extraordinary. Men, if you allow your woman to be uh, feminine, you build her up. You tell her how beautiful she is, how strong she is, what a great mother she is, what a great wife she is, and you verbally build her up in that sense, she'll do great things. And uh, there's more to it than I, you know, right now than I want to get into um, because then we're going to start getting into the areas that some people are going to get bent. But I want to get to this article real quick and maybe I'll touch upon some of the other things. This is from a website, website called Chad howsfitness.com uh, and I'll put the link you know same thing area in the description of this episode and it says dare mighty things incorporated by legend or be legendary I'm sorry be legendary 
And again, it's 20 Characteristics of a Real Man, January 9, 2011, by Chad House. And that's spelled H-O-W-S-E. And it says, Characteristics that a man should possess. First, let me start off by saying that I am in no way the authority of what a real man should be because I think that I possess every single one of these characteristics or values. Each and every day, I learn something new about myself or even a new way of thinking. One thing I have definitely learned over the past year is that life will humble you. It humbles all of us at one time or another, which is something that we either embrace or we fight. If we resist and we're never humbled by these moments, we'll never learn. The first step that we must take in becoming the man we are meant to be is to realize exactly who we are, what our strengths and weaknesses are, and what we can offer the world. I'm not perfect. I'm terribly imperfect, and I am reminded of it every day, which allows me plenty of room for growth. That being said, I'm pretty awesome, and you're reading this blog, so you're obviously pretty awesome as well. He puts a little happy smiley face after that. So I'd love to hear what you have to say. Leave any additions in this article in the comment section by answering this question. What characteristics does the ideal man possess? And uh, before I read any more, you can you can uh, go to this um, website, read this article, and post any comments that you want at the end of it, just as he asked here. So let me move on to the 20 characteristics of a real man. Number one, a man treats women with respect. If you don't respect women, you're not a man, period. And ladies and gentlemen, I agree with that. There's, there's something that um, bothers me to the very core of my being is that's when a man is abusive to a woman, uh, to his wife especially, but to, to a woman. When he's physically abusive, when he's mentally, emotionally, verbally abusive, uh, that's not a man. That is not a man. And What's funny is some of the males that do that, they get physical with women uh, with this weird idea of how, you know, like, look how tough I am. I can smack a woman around. I'm tough. I'm mean. I'm a, yeah, I'm man. I'm a man. I can smack a woman around. No, you're not a man. And if I had my way, I would change the laws in this country to make it perfectly legal that if a man uh, strikes a woman, and I'm not talking, of, you know, I'm not completely foolish. Not, I'm not talking about self-defense, you know, I'm not talking about defending himself, but if a man strikes a woman, beats a woman, slaps her around, like we've seen in abuse, then, you know, the the other men in that woman's life um, should be able to step up to the plate and beat that guy within an inch of his life and not suffer any consequences for it. A lot of people say, well, you're just advocating violence. Normally, I, do, I don't, but in this one, yeah, because you see, Women to me, the ladies in my life, my wife, my mom, she, even though she passed away, but my mom, when she's around, my wife, my daughters, they're treasures. And God has placed me here on this earth and in their life and them in my life. And among other things, one of the things I'm supposed to do is protect them. Protect them even to the point of putting my own life on the line if need be. God expects that of me. I expect that of myself. And the reality of it is culture and society around us, yes, even our laws, should expect and respect that, not only in myself, but in in all men. So that if a man who was created, designed, and placed in a woman's life to be her protector, if that protector turns around and becomes the one that uh, um, beats her, abuses her, um, hurts her, well, 
then that dude needs his kneecaps broken. That guy needs to understand just what his actions towards a woman bring on him. So I believe in in these situations, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, you smack around a woman, all the men, other men in her life should be able to smack that dude around as well. You give her a black eye, you walk away with two black eyes. You break one of her ribs, you walk away with four broken ribs. You, you bust her lip, you're not going to be able to eat for a month because you'll have two busted lips because... A real man will never strike a woman. A real man will never hit a woman. Anyway, that was only number one. Number two, a man understands that greater happiness lies in helping others, not helping himself. And that's true, ladies and gentlemen. A real man is sacrificial in his giving. And I don't mean just his money, but his time, his energy, and such, especially to the women in his life, his wife, his daughters, and such. Number three, A man doesn't stand still while the world passes him by. He continually pushes himself. Again, that's true. Real men understand the great value and the great need for always working on making themselves better. In the business world, making themselves more marketable. In the, uh, just in their own personal uh, health and such, uh, working out, eating right, and getting themselves more healthy and such. Let's go on. Number four, a man is a leader in at least one aspect of his life, whether this means his family, with his friends, or just in general, but he can also follow. The world wouldn't work if everyone was trying to lead in every aspect of life. And this is the mark of, uh, again, of a, of a real man. A real man, a true man, is a leader. Okay, but being a true leader also means you know when you need to back off and be a follower. All right, uh, um, you would see this on the job. You know, uh, let's say you're a manager of a department. A real man will rise up, and if he's given that position, he's going to manage his department well. He's going to learn what he needs to learn, uh, let go of what needs to be let go. He's going to rise to the top and really put his best foot forward. However, because he's a manager, that means he also has somebody that's over him, so he needs to become a good follower. Just like he expects everybody under him to follow him, he needs to give that same type of um, uh, respect to those over him. And that's what a true man does. He knows his position. He knows when he's supposed to be leading, but he also knows when he needs to be following. So I, I again, I agree with that one. Number five, you can depend on a man. You cannot depend on a boy. I remember many, many years ago when I was much younger, I said yes. I never wanted to let people down. There was something that was in me that I felt really bad when I let somebody down, so I wouldn't say no. So if somebody says, hey, can you help me move? Yeah, I'll be there. And I hated moving, still hate moving, but I said I would be there, so I'd be there. Hey, can you uh, give me 20 bucks? Uh, Yeah, here. Even if I didn't really have it to give, I'd give whatever I had, and then I would suffer you know? And so one of the greatest things that I learned to say was no. And I'll be honest with you, it was difficult, but I started saying no. And it saved a lot of relationships with me because what happened was I had somebody that was moving and I, I forget the other thing, but there was somebody that asked me to do something else. So one, one friend asked me to help come and help move. And another friend asked me to come and do something else. I said yes to both of them. And then I walked away from the second yes going, why did I say that? I can't do this because I already said yes to the moving and, and I, I need to be a man of my word, but how can I do both of them? And um, what I did was I, I uh, went over and I started helping the first person move. And then I said, listen, I got to cut out of here at a certain time. Really made the guy upset because I was the only one that showed up. And then I ran over and went and helped the other dude. And 
made them both upset because I was late to the second one, left early on the first one. We didn't finish either of them, all because I couldn't say no. So I really couldn't be uh, depended on because I was still thinking like a little boy. I grew up a little bit. Now I learned to say no. I say, hey, I'm sorry, I just can't because I already uh, promised so-and-so that I would help them do something. So you can depend on a real man, but you cannot depend on a boy. Number six, you cannot teach a man anything you can only help him discover it himself. And that was from Galileo Galilei. Hopefully I said that correctly. A man is proud, often to a fault. He doesn't change, but rather evolves. Ladies, don't try to change your man, but let him evolve into the man he's meant to be. And this is true. Unfortunately, ladies, one of the problems that many women have, and, I, and I'm sure a lot of men have this problem too, but I know a lot of women have this problem, is they marry, uh, how can I say this, often in a sense below them, or they marry somebody that has a lot of um, issues that they just can't deal with. They don't like, they don't want, but hey, don't worry, I'll fix him. Even if those words don't come out of their mouth, it's an ideal that runs through their mind. I can fix him. And then there's a lot of men that have, they, they go after the um, damsel in distress. They're looking for somebody who's in distress that needs them. They could be, ha, the man, the strong the man, the knight in shining armor. They write in, save the day. And uh, they so they take this woman who's, you, you know, whether it be mentally, emotionally, physically, uh, uh, financially, whatever, not in a great place, but they're going to save the day. They can save the day. In other words, that's a nice way of saying they're going to fix them or the situation by fixing them. And it works both ways. Ladies, I'm talking to you in this sense only because of what we're talking about here. Um, that's not the way you change them. You, you, you build them up and help create an atmosphere around him for him to evolve into the man he's supposed to be, all right? Number seven, a man doesn't need to be able to fight or to protect himself and his family physically, but it helps. He does, however, need to be willing to do whatever it takes to keep his family safe and happy. Now, I this is one that when I read, I'm going to be honest, I had a little bit of a problem with. Not because I don't agree with the general premise of this, where it says a man doesn't need to be able to fight or protect himself uh, and his family physically. And to that, I would say, yes, you do. That's the little part. Now, does that mean you have to go to the gym and become a, a, a you know, a bodybuilder and then go take, you know, become a black belt in karate or something? No, not necessarily. But you do need to be healthy enough, physically fit enough, within reason, of course, to be able that even if it came down to it, you could physically take care of your, your family. Even to the point, ladies and gentlemen, even to the point, ladies and gentlemen, now listen to me and listen to me carefully, because again, I don't necessarily advocate violence except upon those who hurt women and children. But that's a, for a whole nother discussion. In this uh, certain situation, uh, I, I, I want to say this, but but I don't want this to to be misunderstood. Um Men here in California, in LA, Los Angeles, California, is very difficult to get what we call a, C, a CCW, a concealed uh, weapons carrying permit. Um, but many, many people have tried, and many, and some have actually got them. Why? Because things are getting so crazy out there that the that men want to be able to protect their wives and their family. That when they're out and about, they if something goes down, they want to be armed so that they can protect their family. And you know what? I am 150% in favor of that. I'm not saying break the law. I'm not saying do anything illegal. I'm saying within the law, arm yourself and carry 
within the law. Not just go buy a gun and put it in your pocket. Learn how to use it safely. Learn how to use it properly. Learn how to clean it. Learn how to handle it. Learn how to load it. Learn how to hold it. Learn how to shoot it. Learn how to hit what you're shooting at. You know, go, yes, If again, if you're physically able to go to the gym. If you're overweight, you're out of shape, lose, lose those extra inches. Get a little bit of muscle tone. So if you had to, if you had to, you could ball up your fist and knock somebody out if they're coming against your wife or your children. You know, if if that is not enough and depending on where you live and all of that stuff, if you need to go take some martial arts class, jujitsu, taekwondo, karate, kung fu, a boxing, MMA class, uh, Krav Maga, those are just some, you know, Muay Thai. Those are just some of the types of martial arts that you could take that again that will really help you if you really needed to you got into a street fight because somebody you know comes and grabs your wife what are you going to do if you're out you know out for a nice night and you're uh sitting out on uh in a cafe or something and somebody comes by and um starts harassing your wife what are you going to do you know come on let's face it if if you're unarmed now you're going to have to do something with your own hands all right. Let's say this dude is just not going to let let it go. The only way out of that situation is you're going to be in a fight. Okay, let's assume you've never been in a fight in your entire life. You've never learned any type of martial art. Let's assume that you're, you know, 30, 40 pounds overweight and soft without much muscle. And here's this guy who's, a, you know, the street thug. What are you going to do? Now, I, I, I don't like, listen, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of people say, you really are about, it. no, I hate that type of scenario even though it's a scenario that pops up all the time i hate it because i like to ha- i like to think that i can go down downtown take my wife to a nice dinner out on some like say outside cafe where we can watch the people walk by watch the cars w- drive by have a nice conversation eat a nice meal have you know and then when we're done we can get up pay our bill and, and stroll down the street get in our car and drive away without any hassle or any, any problem but more and more and more crime is rising and those types of scenarios can be very very dangerous we've seen this over and over and over again there was actually just a, a article a story that I that happened, and it just happened just a few years ago when we had all these rights and everything, but there was families sitting out on an outdoor cafe like that, and all these protesters decided to descend on this place and start protesting. And a lot of people got hurt because the protest broke out into, you know, these nuts. They don't just protest like with a sign, you know, um, but they go in there and they start throwing things, throwing bottles and throwing things. And, and people were getting... Uh, pummeled and uh, a lot of them got seriously hurt um so if you're in a situation like that sir what are you gonna do i highly suggest and i hope you never have to use it like i said arm yourself with in the law um also if you got uh the ability to time and and finances and everything go take a martial arts course get into a gym if you're a little overweight lose the weight if you don't have much muscle tone start start getting some if you you know one of the problems that I had early on, and this is just not too long ago, I couldn't run to save my life. I mean, I would just lose wind and I, I couldn't catch my breath. So I could maybe, maybe jog. And I'm talking about a slow jog, maybe a mile at best. And I was just completely done. I was completely done. I couldn't catch my breath. Um, and there was times that I thought I was going to pass out. And uh, so I started going to this CrossFit gym 
uh, CrossFit Inner Chamber right here in Lancaster, California, best gym in the world. And a lot of it's cardio. We do do some running. We do the assault bikes. We do the rowing machines. We do you know, all kinds of things like that. And I just kept pushing myself, pushing myself, pushing myself. And I'm not saying I'm this big renter. I'm not saying that I'm in great shape. None of that. I'm just saying I'm in much better shape than I was at when I than when I first started. And it's working for me. It's been helping me. I see guys there that are a hundred times better than I am. Well, maybe not. Okay, ninety nine times better than I am. Uh, and I'm okay with that. I wasn't okay with that in the beginning, but I'm okay with that. I just know that I'm better than what I was when I first went in there. And I'm really okay with that, you know. Uh, I'm helping out with this after-school program with boxing, and um, so it's uh, it's mostly uh, young young kids, and so everything's geared at their level. But I'm really watching and pay attention, to, uh, pay, paying attention to what the coach is saying, and I'm I'm doing the moves with the kids, so I'm learning quite a bit just by helping helping in a after-school program boxing class, you know? And it's actually motivated me that I'm seriously considering trying to move some things around in my schedule to, to go take some martial arts class, something geared for me at my my age and such. So anyways, my point is on that is, you know, I, I, I'm putting my money where my, my mouth is on that because I realized just how bad things are getting out there. And I want to be able to, if I needed to, be able to at least protect my wife enough so she can get into a place of safety. Anyways, let me go on with this. Number eight, a man lives for something, a purpose beyond his own personal gains. This can come with time and with family. It doesn't always happen right away. So a man lives for something. Uh, And I agree with that. Men, you should always have a purpose in your life uh, beyond yourself and beyond your own happiness. Because you'll realize if you strive and you work hard just to be happy, you'll have moments of happiness. Oh, yeah, you, you know, you get that boat, you'll be happy. But then after a while, when the boat breaks down and you're still making payments on it, or you look out the window and there's the boat, got the cover on it, and it's covered with leaves and it's all dirty and everything, you say, wow, I haven't been out in that boat in three years. I'm still paying on it. All of a sudden, that happiness that you felt is gone. You know, you got your brand new truck or your car, your sports car, whatever it is, and you're really happy. Look at this. You're out there waxing it and shining it. And then you come out of the, of the you know, um, Home Depot and find a big old dent in the side of it uh, where somebody backed into it. <clears throat> or you're driving down the road and the engine blows up and, and, you, real, and you find out that it's going to cost too much money to fix. Well, all that happiness that you felt at that moment when you first got your truck is out the window. So you can have, you can work for yourself and work for these things to get momentary happiness, but you're not going to be fulfilled until you find a true purpose. And number one, at the top of that list, your wife and your children should be your purpose to create a world for your wife and your children to flourish in, to absolutely flourish in to the, to the best of your ability and their ability. <clears throat> Anyways, let me go on. Number nine, many of the greatest accomplishments of the world were accomplished by tired and discouraged men who kept on working. A man gets depressed, he gets sad, he thinks about quitting and folding, but he never does. He pushes through adversity. So you want to know one of the, uh, when, as we said earlier about men can be depended on and boys cannot. How do you know what a real man is? When adversity comes, does he give up or does he keep fighting? Boys run from adversity. Men stick it out and make something of it. Number 10, when a man points a finger at someone else, he should remember that four of his fingers are pointing at himself. And that's from Louis 
Nizer, N-I-Z-E-R, Lewis Nizer, N-I-Z-E-R. A man has faults. It's important to understand this. And that's what it means, that you got to understand men, men, listen, men, we have faults. We have to understand, we have to find them, understand them, and do our best to fix them. Turn those faults, those weaknesses into a strength. That's what a real man does. Number 11, a man can laugh at himself. I um, I remember Rush Limbaugh saying this years ago when, when I used to, when he was alive and I was able to listen to him. He says, um, you know, one of the things you have to learn to learn, you have to learn to laugh at yourself. And he would even go on to say, make a joke out of it. You can't learn to laugh at yourself. Just tune in and listen to me laugh at you. And I always thought that was kind of funny. And over the years, I have, I, I, I'm kind of a comedian, comic kind of guy, comic relief. I'm always cracking jokes. It makes a lot of people upset at times, but I just like to keep the atmosphere free and, and light as possible. Um, and a lot of the jokes that I tell are, are on me. I, I do laugh at myself. And when I, I'll, I'll give you one. Okay, so we're on vacation, right? We're in Cancun. We're at this great resort, this phenomenal Excaret resort. Great resort. And we're at the buffet. Now, their buffet is not like our buffet. Their buffet is when you wanted, like, say, a steak. You walked up, you know, to where they have the steaks, and you say, I want this steak, and they will throw it on the grill and start cooking it for you. So it's fresh. It's not something that they cooked earlier that day and it's been under a heat lamp. So anyways, I was over there at this... um where they have these desserts. And I was looking at all these desserts through the glass and I just glanced down and there was this um, kind of a bowl, big bowl of what I thought was small river rocks. They're brown and tan and, and gray and everything, small river rock. And I didn't really focus on them too much. They just looked like river rocks. So I just stuck my hand in there and I was rubbing my hand through these river rocks and I was pulling them up, pull, and hold them and rub them and drop them in there as I'm trying to figure out what I want to eat. <laughs> and um, one of them fell out of my hand and actually fell on the floor. So I dumped the rest of them back into this bowl. I knelt down to pick up this one river rock that had fallen on the floor. And it felt kind of funny to me. That's when I, I mean, I finally am focusing on it enough to go, oh, wait a minute. It wasn't as heavy as a rock should have been. And so I, I kind of just gave it a little squeeze and it broke. It turned out that they were like M&M type of, candies but the candy coating made them look like river rocks and here i am just handling all of these river rocks at this really swanky resort <laughs> and so i started laughing at myself at that moment and so um to try to play it off i just grabbed a bunch of them i put them on my plate like i meant to do the whole thing like i was meant to do all that and i just strolled away like oh but i i just i couldn't help myself i just started laughing because of how dumb i was but funny dumb you know it's just how dumb i was thinking these m&ms were actually <laughs> rocks <laughs> and i was playing with them right in front of everybody so my point in all that is just men you can laugh at yourself and when other people join in and they laugh don't get too upset if they start laughing before you do join in and start laughing because you probably did something really silly and funny anyway number 12 a man takes pride in how he looks and lives his life he's not ashamed by who he is, what he does, or how he looks, even if he's trying to change one of the aforementioned. And, and, and so I want to be careful here with this one in this sense, because I've been to places, usually in other countries, but I've been to places where people that can't even hardly feed their families, they're that poor, really know how to deck out, I mean, get decked out when they get dressed up. 
And usually because, you know, I'm in the ministry and such, and I've traveled in ministry, I've been in places where on Sundays, man, the men were expected to be in three-piece suits and dressed to the hilt. Shoes shined, everything looked like a million dollars, but they didn't have two pennies to feed their family, you know. So they go to church looking like a million bucks, but they don't even have enough money to feed their family after church. So I want to be careful with that because on the one hand, I agree, you know, we should strive to make ourselves better, even look better whatever that means, but not to the point that we are spending our food money to buy those shoes or that suit, okay? We have to keep this in perspective. And so you don't have to go buy a $1,500 suit to look sharp, you know, if that's going to break your bank. Go buy your $300 suit, still look sharp, and have plenty of money left over to take care of your family. Anyways, where am I? 13. Young men want to be faithful and are not. Old men want to be faithless and cannot. That's from Oscar Wilde. Men learn what is truly important over time. If they're lucky, they'll have a sense of it early on. Okay, so that's what it's referring to. Understanding what what is truly important. Learning it. Growing in it. And living it out. Men do that. You Men will learn what's truly important and then live it out. Number 14. How can a woman be expected to be happy with a man who insists on treating her as if she were a perfectly normal human being? Again, that's from Oscar Wilde. Goes on to say, if a man finds someone special, he doesn't treat her uh, like she's everyone else. She doesn't treat her like everybody else. She's special. Men, treat your women, treat your wives, treat your daughters as if they are special, precious gemstones precious jewels. And ladies, it it will make your man's job easier if you act that way and treat him in a manner that's, that, that kind of creates that atmosphere and gives him permission to treat you that way. Now, men, we shouldn't ever, it should never be, uh, we shouldn't rely on our wives to give us the cue to treat them well. We should treat them well no matter what. Okay, but ladies, it sure helps when you help us. Just throwing that out there. Number 15, a man has fears, but he isn't ruled by them. Man has fears, but he isn't ruled by them. You know, I was thinking about this because of something that happened to me. I'll I'll tell you a little story. I don't think I've ever told anybody this story other than my family and my wife at the time. And maybe I did. I don't I don't remember. But many years ago when I was working, I was working for a a local local company at the time, a local company before I was in the ministry. And I was driving one of the company trucks down the freeway. And um, so I'm I'm uh, I think I was in the slow lane driving down the freeway and it was kind of a it was a one ton truck so i wasn't going super fast but i was probably speed limit um so i'm go- i'm driving about 60 65 at the at that time so anyway i'm in the slow lane i'm driving and this woman gets on the freeway in front of me and the only way- reason i knew it was a woman because of, of what happened and she gets up on the freeway and she gets in, in front of me and in one big swift move she didn't go any faster and slower she just she merged into my lane and she kept merging and merging and merging all the way over. I mean, pretty quick until her car slammed up against the center divider. They call it K-rail. And the way it's de- designed is her wheels could literally ride up on the side of it and then fall back down. And she did that down the freeway. And she just she was going about the same speed I was, about 65, doing this, bouncing off that, that K-rail and then slamming back into it up, down, up, down, 65 miles down the road. And there was a few cars around and they honked at her and everything, but she just, 
she just didn't stop. She didn't stop going there, stop doing it. So I um, quickly pulled over to get next to her to see if there was a problem. You know, was this woman freaking out or whatever? And when I pulled up next to her, she was, I thought she was drunk. Her actions were down. She was she was awake, but very slow. Her head would fall down and she would look back up and her head would fall back down and look back up. And I could tell that her foot was just basically mashed down on the gas pedal. And she was just flying down the road, just up on this K-rail and down, up on this K-rail and down. And and um, so I, what I did was, I said, I, I had to stop her before she crashed into somebody or into something, killing her or somebody else. So I, I stepped on it. I got up in front of her with the truck. And like, again, I had this big, like one ton truck and she, I don't know, it was like a Buick Regal or something like that. And I, I got in front of her as close to that K-rail as I could. And I just started slowing down, uh, you know, a little bit, little by little by little by little until her car uh, touched the back, the bumper of this big truck. And then I just started slowing down uh, all the way until we were at a complete stop. And I jumped out of the truck and I ran over to her and the, and her engine was still just whining like crazy because she was still on the gas, you know, um, and, and the wheels were kind of screeching, you know, trying to move. And she was, and it was just jammed up on the truck just enough that it couldn't get any traction to to take off again. So I was trying to be quick. You know, what do I do? What do I do? Do I break out the win- window? And I ran over to a window and it was down just like maybe an inch to where I, oh, I'm sorry. It was on the driver's or uh, the, the passenger side. So I'm, I'm trying to yell through that little inch you know, hey, woman, what's going on? Are you okay? Are you okay? And she she looked totally drunk, and which made me kind of angry. But nonetheless, it was still a dangerous situation for her and everybody else. And uh, I was thinking to myself, she's out of it, and she still got her foot on the gas. I don't know how long we're going to be able to stay in this situation like this. And um, I was about to break the window, and she just had enough, uh, I don't know, coherency to just move her hand over to the little electric window thing, roll down the window about a quarter of a way, and she said, what's going on? She still got her foot mashed on the gas, asking me, what's going on? Are you okay? I'm like, lady, are you okay? And um, so I was able to just barely reach over there and turn off the car, turn the key and turn it off. And she looked down at the key in my hand and looked back up at me, like, like I said, almost a drunken stupor what are you doing? And she sat back. Now, all of this happened really, really quick, you know, and um, I was able to reach down, unlock the door, get the door open and, uh, and talk to her. And I said, ma'am, where are you going? What's going on? I didn't smell any alcohol. I started, you know, okay, I don't smell any alcohol. What's going on with this woman? And she says she was driving herself to the hospital. She had some type of uh, like, um, I forget what disease she's later. I found out, I forget what it was, but she had some kind of disease that she was dealing with. And she, um, she had a, a, a bad reaction to the meds and she was like, literally just, just, and she started feeling really bad. So she said, I'm going to drive myself to the hospital before I get worse. And it just hit her really bad when she got on the freeway. So she had some water there. I was able to give her some water. I was able to get the wind, the windows down, get her some air and everything like that. And then the police come, right? And the police come. He says, oh, we'll take over. Oh, an ambulance, police and the ambulance take over and they start helping her. And the cop just starts asking me questions about what happened and everything I told him. And when then when I started calming down, I started calming down and realizing just what happened. Because like I said, everything happened so fast. I didn't have time to think about it. But when I started calming down and realized what happened, I, I, I started going, wow, it's amazing what can happen in a person. This could have been anybody. It could be me. It could be anybody. You know, in those moments. Was I afraid? I, well, to be honest with you, everything was happening too fast for me to think about being afraid. 
But when I got down to it, I realized how, even the cop says, you know how dangerous this is. He says, it's amazing that you were able to do this. He says, but that was extremely dangerous, foolish, dangerous, you know, and I'm like, hey, you know, and it's starting to set in and it made me realize this. Now I didn't have time to be afraid, but if, if there was that split moment where I could think about it, yeah, I'm sure fear would have set in, but thank God I wasn't ruled by it. Now that's a, a, over-the-top kind of extreme kind of a thing. But this this goes in every area of our life and our everyday-to-day walk in life. Men, we do get afraid. There are things that bother us. Are we going to be able to pay the bills? Are we going to be able to keep the... the, the the uh, the job if my truck breaks down i don't know what i'm going to do because i can't afford to fix it or get a new one and i need it for work and there's all kinds of things but we're not ruled by those fears we still go out there and we make things happen keep that in mind a real man just makes things happen even though he may be afraid number 16 a man learns from his mistakes although he might take a few cracks at it <laughs> he learns from his mistakes real men learn from their mistakes and i want to take this a little step further real men that are sharp, learn from the mistakes of others so they don't have to make those same mistakes. Number 17, a man does what is necessary, even if it's the hardest decision or the most unpopular one. Ooh, man stands up for what he really believes in, and a man does what is necessary, even if the people around him don't like him. A man can appreciate, this is number 18, a man can appreciate the greatness of that is the gladiator. The gladiator. He'll fight for what he believes in, he'll stand up for what he believes in, he won't cave even though all the odds are against him. <clears throat> 19, a man thrives on competition. And this is true. I know a lot of men don't like to admit this, but this is true. Men thrive in competition. You'll find it, you get five guys in a room just watching a football game or a basketball game. And just their conversation and their commentary on the plays that they're watching on the TV gets competitive in themselves. <laughs> if that was me, I'd have done this. Really? Well, if that was me, I would have done this. Oh, yeah, you, 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 you know, and it's so funny sometimes to watch it. But even in conversations, there's the competition. Should you stop that? No, but bend that to, to the competition of actually um, making yourself a better man. Use that competition to grow in who you are as a man. And number 20, for a man to achieve all that is expected of him, he must regard himself greater than he is. And that's Johann Wolfgang. For a man to achieve all that is expected of him, he must regard himself greater than he is. You got to jump out there. You got to take some risks. You got to stand up and say, you know what? I'm better than this. I'm greater than this. I can achieve more. I can do more. I can have more. Uh, and I can be more of, in even within myself, I can be a better husband, a better father, a better man. And you project yourself and you go after it and you strive for that. So I... um. I appreciate this list. It's easy. I know I made it more complicated with all my commentary. So this is a great read for you guys and for your ladies. Because some of you ladies, especially single ladies, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a husband. Well, here's some of the characteristics that you need to find in a man. I, I made the statement on Mother's Day. Uh, I was preaching on Mother's Day, trying, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to give a sweet, wonderful Mother's Day message about how wonderful moms are and how beautiful they are, how strong they are and everything. And it did not come out that way at all. I got into this kind of like what I'm talking about today, just hammering, especially men and, you know, setting some things straight. So anyways, I started saying, ladies, you were single ladies. I made this statement. If you really want to know, you know, you really want to pick a good man, I'm going I'm to give you a gold nugget. And I'm sharing my nugget of gold with you, this wisdom gold nugget nugget with all of you ladies you single ladies you you, you want to get married 
you want to find a good man, I'm going to give you one of the ways to find a good man. When you meet somebody and at the first chance, your first chance you get, find out what's in his library. Now, you should not be in his house alone with him, so don't go looking in his house or looking in his library. But when you guys sit out, hey, we're going to hook up for coffee and get to know each other. Ask him, what kind of books do you read? If he says he doesn't read, okay, what kind of uh, books on tape or audibles do you listen to? Because I do understand that a lot of men just are not, a lot of people in general are not wired to sit down and read a book. And, and that's okay. That's fair enough. You know, I would tell men that aren't, please do yourself to train, try to retrain yourself or train yourself to be able to read a book. But nonetheless, at least listen to them on audibles or, you know, books on tape. Well, that's what they used to be called in the old days because you get a book on a tape, book on tape. But ladies, ask them, find out what's in your library. What kind of books do you read, you know? And you're going to be able to tell a lot. If he's honest, let's assume that he's just completely honest and he says something like this, oh, I got a, a you know, all of 1982 edition of uh, Playboy magazine. Dump that dude and walk out right then and there. You don't need that perv in your life who's checking out other women and then going to hold you up to some false standard. You don't need that in your life. All right. But if he says something like, oh, I, I listen or I read um, a lot of books on leadership by Stephen Covey, uh, John Maxwell. I certainly read the Bible. I read a lot about Jesus. I read a lot about, you know, the, the 12 disciples, the, the apostles, uh, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, but again, if he, he's reading some good, solid self-help books in the area of leadership, finances, you know. Yeah, I read uh, Dave Ramsey's book on finances. I read um, th this other book called, you know, How to Be a Billionaire, How to Be a Millionaire, uh, Boundaries by, you know, all of these other books that help him become a better man. That means that guy is proactive, not reactive, proactive. And he's trying to be the best and he wants to be the best that he can in every field. So that tells you that when you two get married, he's more likely to read books and articles and periodicals and watch videos and such on how to be a good husband, how to be a good father. If he's not doing that before you're married, you can't be guaranteed that he's going to do that after you're married. One of the biggest things that ladies do with with men, they find some dude, you know, for whatever reason, oh, I just like the bad boy. So they find the guy with the tats. And I, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this. Just just listen to me. So they find the guys with the tats. They find the bad boy look. He wears the, he wears the uh, tank tops. He's kind of muscular. He's got the tattoos. He cusses a little bit, drinks beer. Oh, I love the bad boy. They get married. And he doesn't grow out of that. He doesn't become more. Now, the woman wants to settle down, build a home, build a nest, build security financially and otherwise. And that guy was never wired for that. And she wants to fix him. Well, that doesn't work. You know, ultimately, ladies, you want to build a home. You want children. You want to raise a family. You want to have Christmas at your house with the tree and the, and the kids and the grandkids all sitting around singing jingle bells and stringing popcorn and watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on the big screen TV. You want to hug your grandbabies and snuggle with them in front of the fire. You want to be able to rip open packages and talk about it and just have that great time. You want your Thanksgivings together. You want birthdays together there. 
You want to take family vacations and such together. The bad boy most likely will never get you that. But the guy that's working on himself, taking himself so seriously that he's already working on himself even before he has to by your standards because he's reading the John Maxwell books on leadership. He's reading the Dave Ramsey books on finances. He's reading the Stephen Covey books on on, on, on leadership and and self-development and such. That means that guy is going to get you to your goals not only faster, but even stronger because he's already there. And that's one of the things that, uh, um, you know, I, I was going to, that these are the types of things I want to talk about if, if, if I choose to continue this. Because what I'm tired of seeing, what I'm tired of seeing in, in both men and women, and, and men, I'm more, I get more frustrated with you because we are the standard setters. We, we're supposed to be. And we have given that up to women and still want to strut around with our arms out, our tattoos, and act like we're real men because we look like the bad boy thinking that's what real men look like. And we abdicate our masculinity to women, our true masculinity to women because we're still acting like little boys and now they have to act like father. They have to act like the man. They have to take on some masculine characteristics and still be feminine as a woman. And we don't and we wonder why things don't work in the home, you know? And 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 ladies, some things work there too because I've seen it opposite where men not and again, this is not a pure science ladies and gentlemen because I've seen it where men are doing everything they know to do to to provide the home, provide the security, be the real man that they need to be, go out and get a good job, work hard and do those things. And then I see women sometimes, not all women, please, again, just let themselves go. Don't care. Man comes home from working all day, you know. Um, uh, she she just walks by, hey, see your home. You know, hair pulled up, dressed in uh, sweatpants, you know, uh, out of shape. Uh, hasn't really done anything with herself since she climbed out of bed. And the man's looking at her going like, "What? why did I bother going out and doing everything I'm supposed to be doing? Why did I, what, what, what's going on here? That kills men. That kills men. Just like men, it kills women. When we don't provide security and love and use what we consider masculinity to protect them, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and to help them create a home. Men, we're builders, so let's start building a home for them. And I'm not talking about physical building. Talking about emotionally, mentally, spiritually, memories, things of that nature. Anyways, those are a bunch of the things that I want to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. And and men, please take this to heart. Come and read this article for yourself. It's just 20 points. It's a really easy read, especially if you don't have somebody like me commenting on everything. But we need to start really rising up, men, especially. We need to start rising up and becoming what God has called us to be. So we can not only take our homes back, our families back, but our own courage, our own our own self-worth we need to take back. And that will start bringing, we can then take our nation back, our cities back, our states back. And we can be what God has truly called us to be and rise to, to new heights, heights that we've never seen before. But we're not going to do it as little boys. We're only going to do it as men. You got that right. Thank you for joining us at Table Flippers. I truly appreciate you. You can write me at gwccrobert at gmail.com. That's gwccrobert at gmail.com. Please let me know how I'm doing. Remember to pick up some of our merchandise. You can find the link at gwcclancaster.org. That's gwcclancaster.org. Until next time, be continually blessed.